Welcome yet to another edition of the Midnight Blue and Gold Launchpad Podcast. I'm Rocket Ryan Brandt, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Pat Jillick. Say hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. I was hoping you'd do that. <laughs> and of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy spinning the dials is the one, the only, the pride of the Bedford kicking mules, Kyle W. Smith. And you, once again, this is You just, can also call me PJ Thrill- Thriller. That's what the women used to call you, right? right yeah. Used to. Used to. A long <laughs> time ago, buddy. That's right. But anyway, yeah, it's been a, a crazy season. You know, one of those years where I thought the Rockets uh, might make the, the New Year's Six Bowl game. That was my prediction after a, a narrow loss to Notre Dame being their only loss, going 11 and 1, but that did not happen. 7 and 5 record. And five and three in the Mid American Conference. Puts well, they did have the narrow loss to Notre Dame, but that's true. Yeah, things didn't turn out that well afterwards. Yeah, I really thought that uh, you know you get that win. Who tell who's tell who can tell what was going to happen? Right, absolutely could have changed the whole psyche of the team around. Right, and then they come out laying egg against Colorado State. But we've talked about that ad nauseum throughout the past few podcasts. We're talking bowl season now. This is our bowl preview. Is on. December 17th, it's a Friday, high noon from Nassau in the Bahamas. It's the Bahamas Bowl, the exact same bowl where they participated three years ago. And their opponent's going to be Middle Tennessee State, a team out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, who went 6-6 six and six on the season overall and 4-4 four and four in the, Mid-American, or in the uh, Conference USA, rather. Uh, barely made it into bowl eligibility with a kind of a shocking comeback against Florida Atlantic University in their last game of the season. Yeah, Florida Atlantic located Boca Raton, home of the Boca Raton Bowl, one of uh, one of my favorite bowl games of all time when the Rockets beat 24th-ranked Temple back in 2015. But anyway, yeah, that was 27-17, got them to bowl eligibility. Up and down season for this uh, Blue Raider squadron of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, as <laughs> Patrick Judd just told you. They started off with a win over Monmouth, which is a one double A school. They went to Georgia Tech, or I'm sorry, Virginia Tech, and and lost thirty five to fourteen. So I mean, no no shame there because uh, you're talking Virginia Tech. In fact, Middle Tennessee was only down fourteen seven at halftime in this one before Virginia Tech scored fourteen in the third, another seven in the fourth, and uh, that's all she wrote. But a tough place to play, and uh, at least the first half of that game, Middle Tennessee was good. Yeah, taking a look at their their season stats, nothing really shines. Um, they average 240 yards passing a game and 120 yards rushing a game on offense. Uh, nothing that really stands out. Uh, they have some decent players here and there, but you know this is a team that struggled to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, so hopefully things will will turn out okay for the Rockets. The Rockets are heading down to. You know, Nassau to play this game. Unfortunately, like you said earlier, it's on a Friday at noon, which I, I don't understand why why ESPN would do that, why they would put them on at noon on a Friday. I, mean, oh, yeah, I don't understand why they put us in a home game against Akron the same time as Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, exactly. there's a so, lot of yeah. things that, that doesn't make sense. It's, uh, I mean, it's not a holiday week weekend or anything like that. Why not just roll the game over to Saturday and, and put it on, uh, I think... Friday at noon. What's what's your what's your target demographic there? <laughs> Shut-ins uh, <laughs> and you know people yeah. that want to take a half day and make it a long weekend, which I may just have to do. Right, absolutely. I mean that that's us. But 
are you really reaching a big market share with that with that noon Friday kickoff? Right, exactly. But uh, yeah, so a couple years ago when the Rockets went down there, it was uh, Florida International was the was the team that uh, the Rockets lost the tough one to. And uh, you know, it's funny. I pulled up this uh, bowl eligibility, this bowl central thing, and thinking it was going to be talking about the uh, the entire Bahamas bowl. But yeah, the Rockets lost a tough one by a final <laughs> score of thirty-five, thirty-two, I do believe. And again, that was on a that was on a Friday at noon. And I remember I I was down in Dayton at the time, and I went to Frickers and took a long lunch. Okay, that was my that was my deal. <laughs> so so looking at this game, I think the Rockets come into this game in good shape with a big win coming off of Akron or coming at the hands of Akron. Uh, the offense is finally starting to click together. The defense is back on pace that they were early in the season. They only had that one game hiccup, so they've they've just been the bright bright shining spot of this team all year. Uh, I think if they're if they get a team that's you know kind of scratching their way into bowl eligibility in Middle Tennessee State, I think the Rockets are in good shape to go in there and handle their business. Yes, yes. I mean, um, you know, looking at getting back to Middle Tennessee's schedule this year. You know, they they played in Conference USA and. Of course, University of Texas at San Antonio, what a great story they were. Undefeated the entire season until this past week. And uh, Middle Tennessee held their own 27-13 in that one, although they scored a couple of late touchdowns to make it closer than the final score indicated. But, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of like us, they had some close losses. They had really their only blowout loss. Uh, they lost to uh, Liberty 41-13, which is a pretty good program. And uh, Western Kentucky which was 48-21, but, you know, they beat FIU 50-10, to and uh, FIU's not exactly uh, <laughs> not what they were three beater. years ago back when uh, when we lost to them. Right. Act, they're not even egg beaters, I don't think. No, uh, and they're not eggs or egg beaters, you know, either, right. either one on the, on the grocery store shelf. But uh, looking at this game, this Middle Tennessee State is an interesting story. They were rumored, along with Western Kentucky, to be – uh, a new participant in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, and that, that was a story that was going around for a good week or maybe two weeks yes. uh, until the news came out that the Mid-American Conference was not going to expand. And, and uh, it, it would have been nice to, to get Middle Tennessee State into the MAC. And, yeah, I mean, from, from what I hear, from what I've read online, Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, they wanted to be in there because – you know, it was a better conference than what Conference USA is. It, better geographic footprint for them, but to have Middle Tennessee, which is a shorter drive for them, maybe a, a two and a half hour drive, would be a great partner to have joining the MAC with them to make it not so big. But Middle Tennessee, from what I understand, was concerned about the exit fee they were going to have to pay, even though the Mid American Conference TV deal is so much better than what Conference USA is. They still didn't want to do it. And it just ended up putting the kibosh on the whole deal. Right. I think Conference USA, what they're they're paired up with Bill's Cable Company this year in their contract. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and and shoe shine business too. Well, I know the mid- or the Conference USA basketball tournament is held in a convention center, and they have a drape separating the two cor- the two courts that are playing side by side. That is so 1990s Mid American Conference at the oh yeah Seagate Center at the Seagate Center. Yeah, <laughs> thank God they they've done away with that. Exactly. But so it would it would have definitely been a op- better opportunity. But when you think about the logistics of it, Middle Tennessee State driving to Central Michigan 
is a haul. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a it's a haul for us. Yeah, I mean it's three and a half hours for us to tack on another six seven hours. Yeah, they're uh, I, I, hopefully they would fly on that one. I would think, but then again, you're talking about budget constraints. But the interesting thing is when this this talk was all going on, I looked up, a, I did a little research on Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky, and out of the last seven years. In Conference USA, Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky have combined for every conference championship in all the sports. That's, that's Whether, crazy. It would have been a great addition. Yeah, so it would have been a nice addition had it happened, but I think both parties had their reasons to, to walk away from the table. So here we are talking about a possibility of a conference rival, but nonetheless, a bowl game. <laughs> yeah, um, which brings us to, a, to another topic. Should the Mid American Conference expand? Who would they bring in? Um, right now, I mean, it's a stable conference. It's been it's been around for since 1946, right? And you've had some teams come and go. Um, you've had Marshall come and go twice, but right. um, you know, from a from a stability standpoint, it is stable. But you know, while everybody else is is getting different markets, getting different cities getting different, uh, you know, teams in there, you know, standing still, I don't think is the way to go. No, I, I agree. I, I think the, even though we hate the action portion of the set, the, the season where they take November games and put them on weeknights on ESPN, ESPN does have a nice package with the Mid-American Conference. And like I, like we said previously, it's, it's better than Conference USA has, and it's better than a lot of conferences have. Uh, I think that just shows respect that ESPN has for the Mac and, and the quality of, of football that they play, along with, you know, you've got some storied institutions here. You've got, you know, Miami that was the cradle of coaches back in the day. And you look at it now, look at all the, the all the great coaches that have come out of the University of Toledo, uh, you know, in recent history uh-huh. with, with, with Saban, with Francis X. Laudiber back in the day, who was, who was a great coach and Coached half that or coached that team to the undefeated teams of the of the early seventies, mm-hmm. uh, and then you've got you know uh, Nick Saban came out of here. You got uh, Gary Pinkle, Gary Pinkle, who went to Missouri and did great things. You've got Matt Campbell, who was our most recent previous head coach, mm-hmm. now at Iowa State, and rumored to be in the running for positions at Oklahoma as well as Notre Dame. So, I and mean, I can, but I can only hope if he does leave Iowa State. It's on the morning of their most important game of the year next year. I mean, I don't know where's that happened before with him. I don't know. It might have happened uh, right here in Toledo. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me just refresh your memory there, kids. Sit up on Uncle Ryan's lap. Let me tell you a quick story. Oh, oh I don't know about that. <laughs> day after uh, Thanksgiving, twenty fifteen, we're ten and one, and Rockets. All they need to do is beat Western Michigan and make the MAC championship game for the first time in eleven years. Well, uh, it comes out in the paper that morning that old Matty Campbell is being looked at by Iowa State, and it will be announced uh, this weekend. And according to sources, um, he could tell at halftime he was not his head was not in the game. Rockets uh, lost 35-32. Western ended up going to the, uh, or it might have been Northern Illinois. Yeah, Northern Illinois went to the uh, West, West representative in the MAC championship game. Rockets did go on to uh, the Boca Raton Bowl and beat 24th-ranked Temple, but He's here nor there. Um, I just think you know Matt Campbell, great guy. It's the the whole system that sucks. Yeah, it is. I agree. You should not be able to even talk to a coach till the season's over. Can you imagine? Let's say uh, you know somebody went in and talked to Belichick uh, 
you know, week 17, you know, right before the playoffs, and he left. It, it's tampering it's, it's, and, or collusion, you know. Number one bullshit, as uh, Kucherov said after winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be happening. They, they should not be allowed, other institutions shouldn't be able to contact coaches until their season is complete, and that includes bowl games. Right. And, 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 and then they always talk about recruiting. Yeah, they it. always use the excuse of recruiting. So move the dates. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It, it's an easy fix, but the NCAA is so stuck in their ways and their archaic. There are archaic systems of, of doing things, and that's why there's been a lot of talk with the Power Five conferences of forming their own alliance and breaking away from the NCAA just because it's kind of gotten ridiculous. Right. It'd be nice if just the whole – all 130 FBS teams, because I, I, I still – I've heard some talk about it'd be nice if the MAC dropped down to FCS. F that. No, I, no. I, I mean, I love the fact that you got big time, big time teams coming in here to the Glass Bowl. Absolutely, that would dry up and that would that would end. Oh yeah, they're they're not going to come here. No, not they're not. You know, I think the last time a an FBS school played at an FCS school might have been UConn playing at uh, at Yale. Or but yeah, yeah. that's an inter, in-state game and right. What's yeah, UConn? you know, and you've got when App State used to be a FCS school. I mean. You had some teams that would play down there every once in a while, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was like once in a blue moon mm-hmm. thing. So, I don't think there is anything that is advantageous for for, for that kind of talk. No, no. So, um, we'll uh, squash that talk right there. We're not even going to talk about that because if that happened, you'd see a big uprising uh, here, yeah. especially here in Toledo, where people do support a team right. and can support an FBS program. Right. Exactly. So. Um, we're about halfway through with that on our mind. You know, we're talking the bowl game here. Okay. What's your prediction, first of all? Uh, I see Toledo winning this game kind of handily. Uh, I am liking them to put up 32 points, and I think their defense is going to be very stout. I think it's going to be 32 to 12. All right, kind of an unconventional score. Right. You might get a safety in there. You might get a block kick. I might go thirty-one fourteen. Sounds more like a normal score, but okay. you know, in like, the Bahamas, anything can happen. That's right. I like to live on the edge. So there you go. You always have. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> anything can happen in the Bahamas. Just so long, you know what happens in the Bahamas. Hopefully, it doesn't stay there. Well, that's right. <laughs> um, so speaking of bowl games and everything, I thought a neat topic might be to close out here. He said neat, ladies and gentlemen. How about keen or swell? Keen. A swell Swell. Topic. There you go. I'm gonna, a swell topic. That's right. It's going to be a swell topic, boys and girls. Um, would be to name your three favorite Rocket Bowl memories. If, and um, I got I got three just floating around this cranium of mine, this pretty little cranium of mine. But I'm going to let you roll with this one because I have a feeling that our, our – Bowl game memories are are right on the same wavelength. Okay, let's let's go ahead and uh, start off. I mean, I wish I could be old enough to remember the Tangerine Bowls of 69, 70, 71, but I would have been two, I, three, and four years old. I actually do remember the seventy one uh, Tangerine Bowl, watching that on TV uh, in black and white. Actually. Oh wow! Yeah, and they played, I believe, University of Tampa. If if my recollection is is correct, but I I, I could be wrong. It might have been William and Mary both. Of those oh, you, you, I believe you're right. They played yeah. Tampa the previous year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't have any memories from that game. Okay, so I, I think I was I think I was seven years old. So the, I remember watching it, and I remember Toledo won, and it hurt. Yeah, yeah, they won. They won. That was and, their thirty fifth yeah, straight. That win. That was a thirty fifth straight win. 
So you'd have to go another 10 years before the Rockets made a bowl game. And 1981. And exactly. It's good math. I math good. You know, know, I'm going to do it. Again, sit up on Uncle Ryan's knee or or Uncle Pat's, whatever you want to do. But it's kind of interesting because you look at after Toledo made those three straight Tangerine Bowls, then you had Kent State in 72, but then you had Miami Miami of Ohio, 73, 74, 75, and they beat Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina in three straight Tangerine Bowls. Damn. After that... The Mac was not invited back to a bowl game for another six years. Uh, I don't. I know wonder why. Was, I don't know if that was still more big school bias starting up back then. I mean, Miami was ranked number ten in the country. They had Sherman Smith, quarterback, went on to play for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. He was their first running back. Rob Carpenter, uh, Ron Zook, Gary Quizno, longtime head coach over at Oak Harbor High School. They had a lot of stars on that team. Yeah, they did. So then, so the Rockets then became the first team since 1975 Miami, to go to a bowl game. And it was the first ever California Bowl out in Fresno. 1981, taking on number 20 San Jose State. San Jose State was coached by Jack Elway, John's dad. John's dad, that's right. And San Jose that year beat Stanford and Cal, and that's why they were ranked 20th. Was that the first year for the California Bowl? Yes, it was. Cal Bowl won. And... Great game. Rockets had a 20 to, 21 to 7 lead in that point, at one point in that game. Uh, Fresno came back. I'm sorry, San Jose State came back, took the lead, but then it was Tony Lee from Fostoria with a 41 yard field goal with under 30 seconds left to give the Rockets the 27 25 victory and a huge upset. Rockets finished the season 9 3. That's my first bowl memory, obviously, because I was too young to remember the other ones. Right. And I think. Uh, didn't you get a chance to spend some time with some of the players on that team a year or two ago? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, they uh, they came back, and uh, some of them still living in the, in the city here. Uh, a great guy, Bobby Bonus, uh, defensive end from Miami of Florida. We're going to have him on this podcast sometime because it's a very interesting story because back in, in those days, Toledo recruited in a three-state area. Right. Ohio, Michigan, Indiana. Right. And you had, you had Tad Wampler from Orchard Park, New York. And that's about it. But then they get this guy, Bobby Bonus, defensive end out of Miami, Florida. It's a great story. We'll let him tell that sometime. Sounds he, like a plan. But anyway, he's, he was a great guy, and he invited me out to meet with him, Brent Reed, uh, um, um, Paul Long, who was Mel Long's brother, who was a defensive back on one of those teams. Not, not on that 81 team, but he did play there. And it was just a great experience to hang out with those guys, making you feel like one of the guys. Mr. Bonus is 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 quite enthusiastic about his Rockets still to this day. Oh, he is. Today's his birthday, by the way. I mean, well, happy birthday. Is, by the time this airs, it'll be a couple weeks old, but happy uh, belated birthday. Exactly. Happy belated birthday. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he did, uh, Bobby did stop by the bus uh, for the homecoming game. Awesome. And so, uh, yeah, he's a retired police officer from down in Key West, still lives down there, and nice. uh, can't blame him for living that down there. That had to be a heck of a gig, being a cop in, in Key West. I'm sure he's... The seen, things he's seen. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> and maybe if we behave ourselves, he'll tell us that story sometime. There you go. Now on to your second favorite memory. Second favorite memory would be uh, 1995. That was an interesting year. Rockets uh, finished the regular season 10-0-1, <clears throat> and... Their lone tie was to Miami of Ohio, and that was a 27-all tie, I do believe, down in Oxford. And after that, they just went on a roll. Uh, Washon Tate ended up with over 2,000 yards rushing that year, 
and the Rockets go to Las Vegas. And, you know, we mentioned this in an earlier podcast is how that season they allow ties. But starting with the bowl season of 1995, they were going to go to the overtime system that we have at least for the first overtime now during that bowl season before going to it full-time in 1996. So Rockets taking on Nevada, who they had beaten at Nevada earlier that year in a regular season game. They go out to uh, Vegas, back and forth, great game. Nonetheless, final score, 40-37. to Washon Tate gets the game winner in overtime and passed out because everybody jumped on him. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And, really? Uh, I did not know he passed out. And the Rockets ended up that year with a uh, a great you know, record of 11-0-1, ranked 24th in the country. First time in my lifetime that I remember them being ranked, and I thought that was that was really cool. That was really good. And Nevada, didn't they have some some kind of uh, big players on that team? Alex Van Dyke, a wide receiver, he was pretty good. That's the one, the first one that jumps to mind. And uh, I, I can't think of. And who that else. would be the only one that jumps to mind. That's fine, right? Uh, that's, I, but I know I, that's going back to that San Jose State game, though they had Gerald Wilhite, who played in the NFL for the Broncos. They had Mervin Fernandez, who was a wide receiver for the. Uh, Swervin Mervin. Yep, for the uh, Raiders. Mm-hmm. And they had a great quarterback. And uh, Steve uh, Steve Clarkson, who ended oh. up being a quarterback guru. Nice. That, so. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, that was that back in 81. But, yeah, that 95 game was something else. And with Sean Tate. He was a, he was a, he was a horse. He, yeah. He was something to watch. He it, was a, the max version of Barry Sanders. He was. Yeah, I mean. He didn't have the incredible, incredible moves like that, but he Who had. Does? <laughs> yeah, no one, no one on this planet does. No. But he, he did have that low center of gravity, the great ability to cut left and right, and up until you know to that point, he was my favorite rocket running back to watch. Right. And then along came Chester Taylor and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, boy, you know, trying to pick out a favorite running back at UT is like trying to pick out your favorite kid. Can't right. do it. Yeah, you just can't do it. <laughs> And then my third pick, I'm going to go to the 2011 Military Bowl. Oh, that's right. It was a great matchup. You had the Rockets against Air Force. And, uh, I mean, who better to play in the Military Bowl than the Air Force? Of course. And that was at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. MVP was Bernard Reedy, who ended up playing a little bit in the NFL. A little bit in Canada, too. Exactly. And, um, And I remember watching this game at Cheers in Holland with you, Zim, Stephen J. Powida, a couple other peeps. Kyle W. Smith. That's right, Christian, Kyle W. Kristen Smith Jillick. was there. That's right. Those, those young those kids were, you know, they were so little. Sorry, Kristen Smith now. That's right. The artist <laughs> formerly known as Kristen Jillick, or Kristen Smith. <laughs> Kristen Jillick, I should say. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad we did see it there because we didn't have to listen to Pam Ward do the play-by-play. Well, that's, so. I'm, I have Wikipedia pulled up here, and, uh, yeah, that, uh, that would have been rough. but Yeah, uh, Pam Ward's a tough listen. I'm sorry. Yeah, no offense. I'm sure she's a swell lady. I'm sure she's listening. But I think my uh, my favorite part of that game, I mean, it was a great back-and-forth game. Um, some big plays, especially, you know, an Air Force team mostly known for running. You know, 42-41, Rockets win that. And um, late in the game, they scored a touchdown, Air Force did, went for two on a fake extra point. Try to run the option. Ball went out of bounds. Rockets prevail 42-41. And your boy who ended up playing with the uh, Green Bay Packers, J. Roan Elliott, came up with the big stop right there. Nice. J. Roan was a very nice player to watch. Too bad he's he's out of football right now, but he's had some looks and, and uh, recently in, in some free agent markets. But uh, 
he did he did pretty well with the Packers, and then all of a sudden something happened, and he's just kind of bounced around now. Yeah, he played with the Steelers last year at the end of the year. Yeah, and did pretty well. Um, it's just funny how you you wonder why <laughs> certain players don't make it and some do, and right everything like that. So, any uh, any bowl, other bowl memories you have that uh, you may want to share with the. Uh, no, just some memories of the toilet bowl, but we don't need to talk about that right now. Yeah, especially, um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, okay. If, if I had just another hour or two, we could go through. <laughs> it could get quite. We could plow we could through take, a lot of, yeah, no we could, pun intended. We could take it quite a different direction. But no. Uh, uh, We'd hate to dump that on you. One of the good memories I have is going back to the Boca Raton uh, game where your daughter Ava was mistakenly uh, identified as a college student and in the stands got on ESPN. Yeah, that, and that, I remember that was great because um, you got a picture from Terry Swanson's Instagram page and you, you texted it to me down there. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And uh, even though you weren't at the game, you were at the game. You, you, That's we right. Felt, we felt your presence. I had my eye on the crowd. <laughs> you sure did. We appreciate that. But so. no, yeah, yeah, you have a much better, uh, more direct memory of all the bowl games than than I have been able to piece together. So, Well, you know, my wife calls me Rain Man for a reason. This is true. So. Yeah, definitely definitely a better driver, definitely. Sally Dibs Dibs Sally, 7150905. Not wearing my underwear. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe she would go on that. On that <laughs> I think note. on that I think, note, we think might it's wanna, getting late. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm acting like this. Yeah, we might want to wrap this one up. But uh, that So that was our bowl preview slash bowl memories episode of the Midnight Blue and Gold Launchpad podcast. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and hope we brought you a little bit of rocket joy this evening. Uh, Once again, I am Pat PJ Thriller Jillick. I am Rocket Ryan Brandt. And that guy over there? Kyle W. Smith on the ones and twos. And hopefully we will see you before Christmas. If not, Merry Christmas, everybody, but we may just see you before then. Good night.